the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Interesting year for Google coming up. They're going to be phasing out cookies for all Chrome users by the end of the year, giving us a little bit more privacy. I like that. Um, Again, I'm not a big privacy nut. I get it. But it does always feel really, really weird when I Google something like visiting downtown Miami. And then for the next month, two months, I'm getting ads about tours in Little Havana. Um, kind of weirds me out. It feels like I'm just seeing some of the other websites I visit, right? Hey, a uh, little secret about me. Um, I get the New York Times cooking recipe every day, and they just came out with one for a lemony kale salad. It's basically just made with very few ingredients. I was like, that, that gets me all stoked. What I'm getting at there is we all have different things that excite us. Um, and yeah, I don't mind the New York Times pushing me a recipe. Um, but I don't like Google following me. Can't have it all, can I? Um, the U.S. is giving the Houthis an ultimatum as Red Sea attacks intensify and further disrupt global shipping. This has the potential to get a little out of hand, to say the least. The U.S. says the Houthis have attacked commercial ships 25 times since mid-November. Last week, U.S. helicopters sank three Houthi ships to repel an attack on a Maersk container vessel. About 15% of the world's seaborne trade passes through the Red Sea. We're keeping an eye on that. Spot container ship rates from Asia to Northern Europe, because there's no other route, have nearly tripled. Rates from Asia to America's East Coast are up 55%. The other option is to send everything to the West Coast. And then you're going to see a lot of traffic on the West Coast trying to get things off the ports and into trains and shipped across the country. Um, Again, not so much goes through the Red Sea that we have to go, um, this is going to be disastrous, but oh, it can become inflationary for sure. 15% 15% of the world's trade being rerouted. Um, so we're trying to tone down the stress there. What else do we have? GM's offering a $7,500 incentive on EVs that recently lost their eligibility for a U.S. tax credit. Just 13 EVs now meet the new criteria. The SEC is expected to rule soon over whether 14 firms, including BlackRock, can launch Bitcoin ETFs. Approval would give investors exposure to the coin without having to own it. That would be interesting. And it would certainly help that industry enormously. As people who are wealthy want exposure but don't want to go through the hassle of owning the coin directly. Taylor Swift passed Elvis Presley as the solo artist with most weeks at number one on Billboard's album chart. If you want to ask yourself 15 years ago when you first saw her and she's singing, 15 
never have predicted that. I bring that up in large part because music is a lot like investing. Sometimes you see the talent right in front of you, the product right in front of you, and you don't quite get it. The big drop today was the jobs data. Markets watch that closely. So far, so good. We're not fully employed, but we have a healthy economy. Google's guard assistant UI. You know, I tell you, I play with a lot of tech. Part of my day is research. Part of my day is the analytical side. Part of it is the fundamental side, where how does it actually play with our lives? Microsoft's co-pilot, I get it. Microsoft's going to be worth more than Apple because Microsoft is a software company. Apple's a hardware company. I own both shares of Microsoft and Apple, and I will buy them anytime they dip 10 to 20%. If I buy even, if I only have 50 cents in my, in my bank account, I'll buy 50 cents of them when they, when they drop 10, 15, 20, 30%. Um, right now, if I had to choose a favorite, it's Microsoft. I love Apple for their installed base. I love Apple for their services revenue, where a billion plus people are paying them on a regular basis of a subscription. That's brilliant. Um, I love that the replacement cycle on those billion plus phones is aggressive, where you have a phone for two years and it's fine, three years, and you're like, eh, oh, four years, and you're like, I need a replacement. So Bard is going to be worked into a Google search application. I got to play with it yesterday a little bit more. And its user interface is absolutely lovely. Um, I would say it's better than Microsoft's user interface with what they're trying to pull off with Copilot. Um, I think there could be two winners in this. I think Google might be my favorite stock of the year for 2024. Now here, wait, wait, let's talk about another one. Apple's down right now, and everyone's like, oh, hardware cycle, people are holding back in China. Totally get it. Totally get the company. Totally overvalued company. I own shares of it. I am making money off options. I do not recommend you do that unless you hire a financial planner who can help you with an option strategy. Um, my appreciation is lovely in the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years of Apple, but I'm not stressed in any way, shape, or form about where it is right now. But you know what's happening right now? Stocks that gone from 195 to 180, roughly. And people are like, oh, it's going to be a bad year for Apple. Do you know what's going to turn that around? Some point, maybe today, maybe this summer, they're going to say, oh, our next phone's going to have AI. It's going to be called, instead of the iPhone 15 or the iPhone 16 or the iPhone 17. It's going to be the iPhone 15 Pro, Pro Max, Pro Max AI. What's this about AI? And people will get excited. Now, again, at 30 times earnings, it's expensive. You got to be honest with yourself. You're expecting, you're, you're waiting for years and years and years and years of earnings to say that it's, it's, it's reached its valuation. Google's assistant with Bard is currently unavailable to users, and Google may or may not make changes to the user interface before the official launch. I got to play with it a little bit yesterday. It's pretty cool. Um, you could say things like, play the news. You can talk to it in, in different ways than you can with Copilot. You can ask Google Bard um, to write you a report, but to do it in as an eighth grade Breast mail. Like, wait, wait, what's that? Oh, I don't want to be writing this, but it 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 kicks out what you think it's going to kick out. It's pretty cool stuff. I'm going to end you with a headline: A Florida man is filing a lawsuit after a toilet explosion at Dunkin' 
donuts allegedly cause severe and long-term injuries. Think about that for the weekend. Check me out at Rob Black Show. Join Rob Black in Sunnyvale, Saturday, January 20th, for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with $500,000 or more in investable assets. Drop by January 20th from 11.30 a.m. till 2 for a little sunshine and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignacio, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab. Find pints and portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required. So go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. Remember earlier in the show, I was talking about Netflix getting into more video games. Netflix has spent about a billion dollars on buying gaming studios and building the business. The company spends about $17 billion a year on its shows and movies. I brought up the fact that I didn't really know much about these games. As a guy who works as a part-time analyst so that I can do the show for you, basically I read other people's research, and then I kind of get a feel for the technology myself, and I try to tell you it's a good idea or a bad idea. Yesterday, I'm at the gym, and I see Too Hot to Handle, and I see Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, and I get playing video games. I grew up playing video games. I was told that I was going to be an idiot. I was told that it was going to make me stupider. Um, It's not the truth. So when my spouse gives my kids trouble for watching Netflix or TikTok, I'm like, they used to say that about video games, or they used to say that about listening to the radio all day, or they used to say that about watching TV. I get it. Parents are always on their kids for whatever they do. Um, but what was interesting is I don't really use Netflix on my phone. I use it on my home. And therefore, I don't see that home screen that has the video games on it. And as I was at the gym, I'm like, okay, too hot to handle. I've seen the promotion pictures. They're really good looking young people. I'm guessing it's some sort of dating show. And there's probably going to be a lot of skin and bathing suits kind of thing. And Maybe some alcohol involved, right? Uh, can't say that for sure. Haven't watched an episode. But then I was like, do I want to download this game? And the answer was no, because I was like, what if my spouse or my kids get on my phone and see I've got a game called Too Hot to Handle? And I'm like, that's embarrassing. Um, but what's more important about this is 7 million people have downloaded it. And this is a way of Netflix keeping you around until your next favorite show comes around. One of the shows that I enormously liked on Netflix during COVID was The Money Heist. And I'm going to sum it up briefly. It was a Spanish television show that Netflix acquired the rights to and then kind of started producing a couple more seasons of it. And it had characters that were likable. You were pulling for the bad guy, the anti-hero, a bank robber, kind of like Breaking Bad, right? They gave compelling backstories to all the characters. Uh, there was a lot of broken hearts and, you know, money was going to solve their problems. And did they pull off the heist or did they not? Did they almost get caught? Did they not? Were the cops bungling or were they not? 
So at the gym yesterday, I was like, oh, there's a new money heist. Um, they've made a Korean version. Didn't watch it. I watched the original Spanish version. And I liked, like I said, I liked it enormously. They made a sequel to it. And I watched that one. I liked it enormously. Now they've made a prequel to it of the Spanish one. And it's funny because I'm like, am I prejudiced because I like the Spanish version more than the Korean version? I think there's something to be said for that. Maybe it's the casting. I don't know. Maybe it's I was just tired of when the Korean version came out and now there's a long enough break that anyway. In between seasons, I, I lose interest in Netflix. Um, there's not enough content on Netflix to really intrigue me, or there's not enough high quality content. Um, so I, I sometimes I don't open the app on my television or on my phone for months and months and months. And what they're trying to do is get you to open your app on your phone to play Too Hot to Handle Love is a Game or Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, which drove 11% of Netflix game downloads in 2023. Um, I like the strategy. And I like the fact that Netflix is open to criticism on the strategy. I think that shows you that they're a very mature company in the way that they're handling how do they evolve and get more money from you, more eyeballs from you. Uh, eyeballs equal advertising. Eyeballs equals uh, if you're playing games, you're, you're not canceling your subscription. I like that. Um, there's something called Cup Chaos going on right now. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's not the World Cup. It's not the chaos around the World Cup. I'm excited about the World Cup coming to the United States, Mexico, and Canada. But that's not the excitement. People are stealing cups. They go with tumblers. There's uh, made by a company called Stanley. It's a travel muck. It resembles a hockey rink at some Target stores this week, um, as they've the way they've set it up. The aisle. There's hundreds of them. I don't get the appeal for it. But if you have TikTok on your phone, you could see people camping outside Target. You could see people jumping behind the cashier's counter at Starbucks to grab the limited edition Valentine's tumblers in pink and red. It typically sells for 20 bucks to 45 bucks. They're selling out almost immediately at Target. They're being resold on eBay for $100 each. And I'm like, wait, wait what is this? It's 40-ounce Stanley Quencher, an insulated travel mug that fits in a cup holder. It appears to be the new IT product amongst hydration-obsessed young people, especially women. So if you want to help your woman or uh, make her heart more fond of you, maybe you go out and buy a 40-ounce Stanley Quencher. It's a huge mug, 40 ounces, that fits right inside your car cup holder. Cute. So it's got a skinny little bottom, like me. It's kind of big on top, like me. It's comically enormous, is what I'm getting at. And it's so popular that it's largely responsible for Stanley's revenue jumping from $74 million in 2019 to $750 million in 2023. It is a very, very hot product. Um, Stanley, who... I'm not going to knock them. I, I've known the company for years and years and years. You have too. Um... Me, if I want a big, nice mug or a nice cooler, I'm thinking Yetis. I've got a Yeti cooler that um, when we're at the beach or at the, the lake, you know, I tell my kids, don't leave this unattended. Someone will steal it. 
So if I'm in the bathroom, don't go into the water. Wait till I come back. Uh, but that's what these Stanley mugs are. So if you had one in your car, I'd probably take it with you. Otherwise, you might come home to, or come back to a smashed window, right? What's interesting about it is Stanley hired the guy who helped make Crocs cool again. Um, so it's really, really well marketed. And that's why I study marketing, because marketing is all about product. Product to me is what Wall Street's all about. NVIDIA may or may not have the fastest AI chip, but it's marketed that they do. In this case, they probably do. Um, with Intel, do you remember Intel inside? Do you remember the dancing uh, lab bunnies? Is what they called them, I believe. Do you remember Apple with the dark shadows dancing? Uh, making their music cool. Their iPods, uh, not their iPods. Yeah, they're, their iPods is what they were. Not ear pods. Um, but their music player was cool because they had slick marketing. Marketing's pretty important to the long-term success or failure of your companies. Um, I believe that to be true. Um, let's see, what do I have to hit? The lowest ring of cancellations in a decade have hit airplanes, and yet we're hearing about more violent transactions on planes. And then there was that diarrhea flight. <laughs> if you don't know anything about that, don't look it up. What do we do? Don't go to YouTube and type in diarrhea flight. Don't do it. Don't ruin your weekend. Don't do it. Um, the airline industry is kind of interesting right now because, like I said, lowest level of cancellations in a decade. Just 1.2% of the 16.3 million flights in the United States were scratched. Down from 2.3% in 2022. Partly due to a relatively smooth holiday season. Did, did you hear that right? 16.3 million flights last year. Wow. Employment at airlines is now at a two-decade high. Airline industry is healthy. Will I invest in it? I will not. Um, I would trade airline stocks. I would never invest in airline stocks. Um, partially because I'm not loyal to any of them. They don't market terribly well to me. I tend to go with one that has the direct flight to the destination that I'm going to. Anyhow, Eli Lilly stresses that its popular weight loss drugs are meant only for treating long-term chronic diseases like obesity and diabetes. Despite the cavalcade of celebrities and influencers who are encouraging losing weight with them, um, who aren't obese. In an open letter yesterday, the drug maker clarified that its medicine, Mondrone and Zepbound, which are similar to Novo Nordisk, Ozempic, and Wagovi, are not FDA approved to make healthy people look a certain way. Have you heard about um, Ozempic face, where you get kind of so skinny in the face that you look like an old man? There's also something called Ozempic butt, where I highly recommend you do look this up on YouTube this weekend. Don't look up diarrhea flight on airplane, but do look up Ozempic butt, where people are losing so much fat in their tushy that it becomes so bony in a world where the tushy being more round is considered a positive. Um, oh, what are we to do? <laughs> what are we to do? The Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco installed a suicide net for the first time in its 87-year history. Ford reported its best year of new vehicle sales since 2019. GM reported the same. A lot of people see short-term trades there. 
as it's typically not one quarter, it's going to be two or three quarters. Germany had its lowest emissions in 70 years in 2023 after it reduced its reliance on coal. TGI Fridays suddenly closed 36 underperforming restaurants as part of a new growth strategy. You know what's interesting about TGI Fridays? I haven't been to one in 25 plus years, maybe 30 years. 30 years. What's that tell you? That I'm a restaurant snob? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a restaurant snob. But also it appealed to you when you're in your 20s, won't appeal to you when you're in 30s, 40s, and 50s. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money or the Rob Black Show. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. But joining me as always, my favorite guest of the week, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. We enter another year. You write a beautiful column at the end of the year called The Big Picture where you sum everything up. Um, I don't know how much we need to hit on that, but I could say uh, the market returns were quite impressive. Uh, NASDAQ up 43.4%, the S&P 500 up 24.2%, the Russell 2000 was up 15.1%, the S&P mid-cap up 14.4%, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 13.7%. There is so much information you can get from using briefing.com. You can take a look at the sectors that did well, the sectors that did poorly. Um, daily writings, breaking news, weekly writings, big perspectives. Patrick O'Hare, how are you today? Happy New Year. Hey, Rob. Happy New Year to you and your listeners as well. Good to be back with you. I don't think it's worth hitting everything that happened last year, but it was, I think the most interesting thing about those numbers were how they changed in November and December. And you saw the Russell 2000, the S&P mid-cap 400, really go from 0 to 5% to almost 15% each of them. Um, what are your thoughts on where we are in the market 2024 and maybe the expectations that we can expect on um, any given thoughts that come out of your head? Well, there's no doubt that 2023 just ended on really the best of notes for, right. for investors. And I think that the, you know, the massive gains we saw um, in those last few months really are a reminder to every investor that you, know, you just really can't time the market. Um, you need right. to be in the market to make sure you get the full benefit of moves like that. Um, and uh, so that was just, you know, one of the lessons learned there. Obviously, it was driven in large part, uh, you know, by some budding optimism that the Fed's done raising rates, might likely cut rates in 2024, uh, some budding optimism in the uh the potential for a soft landing to actually come to fruition. And then that was all uh, augmented by short covering activity and, and a bit of a performance chase for people who were underinvested in the market. So we saw a big, big move coming into 2024 might have probably might have pulled some of the returns in 2024 into the end of 2023. Um, you do have valuations there are, um, not egregious, but they've you know they've stretched out some. And uh, but the benefit here, as we look at you know some of those valuation levels, is, is the potential for interest rates to come down in 2024. Uh, now, if we get interest rates falling because inflation's coming down while the economy is still holding up, that's really kind of the best uh, combination there for the equity market. But if interest rates come down and come down sharply because the economy is slowing sharply, um, there'll be some bigger issues that the market will have to contend with because we're going to have to rethink uh, the earnings outlook in that situation. 
that also might be bad news is good news, even though you're right in your column this morning started off with markets. He's points of hesitation. Probably you're implying the hesitation. The Federal Reserve probably won't cut in March like the dream come true scenario for speculators. Maybe it'll be later in the year. And if you're right, though, and the economy does slow and the earnings take a hit or miss expectations or miss best case scenarios, maybe the Fed does start to cut rates because that seems to be on the table for 2024. And that could be a catalyst. And again, it's kind of a fun game of poker, right? It's, it's really not a fun game of poker, but there's a little poker going on. Yeah, well, I know what you, I know what you're saying, and I, and I and, and I believe what you're saying in the sense that we've learned from this market that it just absolutely loves the idea of low interest rates, uh, kind of almost yeah. irrespective of what's driving interest rates down. Uh, because one of the other things that I think we learned in 2023 uh, is that the you know the Fed put the so-called Fed put came back into play. We saw it during the banking crisis in March, and I think that uh, you know the market, while it may have uh, a little bit of upset on the initial view that the economy is is maybe in going into a recession and earnings could be challenged could take some solace, as you allude to, in the fact that that will bring lower interest rates that ideally would ultimately help uh, revive growth. And it's just a question of how, I guess, patient the market is willing to be to kind of ride out that more challenging earnings period uh, with the promise that growth will return down the road and earnings will pick up down the road. Um, You know, we'll get the answer to that when we can see in the data, uh, and this is all speculation obviously but if you know if we see in the data the economy's kind of re- you know moving into that recession phase uh, you know we'll get an answer in terms of how the market concludes you know how deep of a recession it could be um, if it believes it's shallow then I think that to your point it will seize on the idea that rates have come down and that's ultimately going to be construed as a positive factor um, but if it's you know it does have that uh, foreboding sense that we're in for a deep recession, uh, where you do have a significant earnings decline, uh, it may be a little more challenged to kind of like get back on track here with a bullish-minded outlook uh, in the short term. One area that I like of 2024 so far is the the Magnificent 7. Apple's underperforming, and it's my largest position, and I'm happy to say it's underperforming. It's got a PE that's higher than Nike's. It, it's had a great run. It needs to prove the earnings. It needs to prove that they've got new product. Like, I'm okay with that. And on the other side, I see Microsoft and uh, NVIDIA hitting new highs or coming close to new highs. And that seems to make sense. So it's it's making sense. And I don't know. That's where I get in a little uncomfortable with the stock market makes sense because uh, mm-hmm. it's got the AI thing. Microsoft has AI being built into software. Um, Apple's eventually going to come out with an AI phone. We know that. But... um. I kind of like seeing some reasonable returns or reasonable wordings or uh, how shall we say a uh, sense of the stocks, the, the best case, worst case scenarios. Um, mm. Any thoughts on what we're seeing in the markets? Like even healthcare is doing well now. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to see that. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's a, a bit of a perplexing market, um, but okay. you know, I'll contradict myself too in saying it's not all that surprising. Um, we've, you know, Again, coming back to how we finished the year and knowing that the mega cap stocks, you know, they certainly didn't fall apart in that year-end rally. They may not have led as, with as much power as they did right. through the first 10 months of the year or so, but they still did just fine during that year-end rally. Uh, and when you look at just how far they moved, 
um, it makes sense that, you know, as you open up a new year, you rebalance, kind of look at, you know, what got overweighted and, and you just kind of rethink things. It makes sense that you'd see a pullback in some of those mega cap names. But in a name like NVIDIA and Microsoft, which certainly are in, in the, you know, the, the, the center of attention when it comes to the AI push, you know, yeah, it makes sense that people are looking to, you know, buy into weakness on those names. And, and we didn't even get things that all that weak in either of those right. names. So. I don't think, you know, just because the calendar switched from December 31 to January 1, that you give up entirely on the thought process that moved those stocks throughout December 31st, you know, you know, for the entire year in 2023. And we can't forget either that if rates do come down, continue to come down, that's going to be better for longer duration assets like some of these high growth tech stocks. And so that can kind of be an underpinning factor there that, you know, limits, you know, some of that pullback activity. But one other thing to add to this is that we're about to start the fourth quarter earnings reporting season on Friday with the banks reporting the results. And then we eventually will eventually roll into, you know, the results from the technology sector and these mega cap, you know, companies. And, you know, the mega caps are going to be key to that earnings situation in my estimation, uh, because if they, have anything to say that, you know, negative in terms of the outlook, uh, then there'll be a sense that, that, gosh, you know, if these industry leaders are now feeling, you know, the effects of whatever, the economic conditions or or, or anything else, um, then that's going to be a problem for really the broader market. So I think if we get good news out of those names or reasonably good news, you know, the market still holds up just fine. Uh, but you might see some pockets of weakness like you're, like you're alluding to. You know, Apple, uh, I would say, has a a higher bar of expectations now, um, and uh, as as do all those stocks. But there's a little bit more doubt in terms of Apple's ability to meet higher expectations, you know, given the, the focus on the iPhone and you know some of the slower growth we're seeing you know, in China, uh, and uh, as well as in you know the consumer's ability to pay high price points for um, you know an iPhone's not necessarily a discretionary item, but uh, but. It's a uh, it's an item that you know makes one probably want to hold on to their you know their phone a little bit longer if it's working just fine without having to shell out you know a lot of money to get a new one. You write the page one every day for briefing Monday through Fridays when the markets are open. One of the things you allude to this today, and I've never understood how to explain the ten-year auction to listeners or viewers. Um, if you want to take a crack at why that's important, that would be nice. <laughs> Well, I do my best as an equity analyst, but um, yeah, I allude to it just because it is something out there that, you know, I think the stock market is very much uh, focused on what happens with, with interest rates. And I think in general, market participants are focused on, on what goes on at these auctions because, you know, they're, they're a reflection of the demand for U.S. debt. And uh, the 10-year note is the benchmark instrument here. And so what you want to see really is, you know, strong dollar demand uh, for these auctions. Um, you know, you'd see that in a, you know, a bid-to-cover ratio that would be above the, you know, prior 12 auction average. Um, and so uh, the concern here is that obviously with the state of our fiscal situation and the level of debt we have, you know, at the national level, um, that uh, – that purchasers aren't going to be as willing to buy this uh, this debt now, and 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 you know without uh, there being a higher cost of interest that comes along with it. So if you get weak demand there, uh, you'll see rates move up, uh, and that would be a negative for you know for the equity market. Um, so you want to see these auctions go off uh, and met with some solid demand, particularly in a, a an auction like the one today with the benchmark in play. 
Thanks very much. Sorry I took up so much of my time, but I was excited to kick off the year with you. So I took up your time. So next week I'll I'll leave it more towards you to ramble and me less so to ramble. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I got nervous talking to him today. That's how much I missed talking to him over the holidays. You can find briefing.com at the word briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news you could use with obviously smart sources like um, him and his deliveries. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Show dedicated to getting your retirement. Remember, you're going to need about 10 to 20 times your income in retirement. I'd like you to have more. I'm in the position where I have more than that, and I'm going to have a fun retirement. If I ever quote unquote retire, I see myself doing the podcast like this until the day I die. Maybe once a week, maybe a little bit more wise, maybe a little bit more reflective, maybe a little less day to day per se. A lot going on out there. A lot of predictions that we could make um, into the year. I always find those kind of interesting to pay attention to. Unfortunately, one of the people that I totally loved was a guy named Byron Ween and he always made great predictions and this year he died he would always write 10 surprises for 2022 10 surprises for 2023 and sometimes he actually got it right and his surprises were fantastic Um, he would always like throw in how would you say this Things like uh, just wild curveballs. And I totally dug it. So I was a little bummed when he died. Um, last year, he said the S&P 500 is flat. in, Or in 2022, he said the S&P 500 is flat in 2022 and value outperforms growth. He was wrong. CPI rises to 4.5% for 2022 and persistent inflation becomes a dominant theme. He was right. In 2022 or 2021, 2022, right before 2022, he wrote, China curbed speculative investment in real estate. He was right. He wrote in 2022 that crude oil would rise above $100 a barrel. He was right. Uh, Not for long. But he would write these interesting thoughts. And what I always appreciated about them was that he did it every year. And people paid attention. Tech stocks this year have had a blowout 2023. The Magnificent Seven. Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, Meta, NVIDIA, and Tesla. Now, I own six of those outright. And the reason I do is because I believe in what are called total addressable markets or basically best of breed. Um, I own other stocks like Spotify, um, Airbnb, um, Tesla. No, no, I'm not sorry, not Tesla. Uber. For some reason, those kind of stocks get very similar in my head. So that was weird that I kicked that one out because I know that I confuse those a bit. Um, I do own Tesla and S&P 500 funds. I do own Tesla and growth mutual funds and exchange-traded funds. But I don't own it outright individually. But the other six I do because they all qualify for what is one of my investment theses, best of breed, total addressable market, If you look at Amazon, 
and they're online. They're bigger than two, three, four, and five put together. Meta Platforms has a Super Bowl of eyeballs, 10 Super Bowls of eyeballs every day. NVIDIA is so far ahead of their competition that they have only two quarters of blowing out their competition with new product. They still have two more for easy year-over-year comparisons. And then I think they're going to build on their momentum because they have a best-of-breed product, hardware and software. The software is an important part of this because they own an ecosystem of development. If you develop video games with their software, it's very, very easy um, to buy their hardware. They work hand-in-hand. Apple has a billion-plus devices that constantly get upgraded. My family has four iPhones, and in two years to three years from now, we'll buy four new iPhones. In two years to three years from now, we'll buy four more iPhones. Along the way, I have a watch. My kids don't really like the watch. I use it for exercise now. I'm on a big health kick this year. Um, Dropped 20 pounds. Um, Getting to my high school weight is kind of a challenge, if that makes sense. Um, Microsoft, you can't walk into an enterprise without seeing their product or Alphabet's product, Google. I own all of those names because of their dominance in businesses, their dominance with consumers, their dominance with eyeballs. Meta platforms is the TV of my children with Instagram. If I could own TikTok, I would own TikTok. And one day if they come public, I will own TikTok because it, it falls in my thesis of total eyeballs. I'm going to talk about that more tomorrow on the show. Expect AI and the cloud stocks to gain more ground in 2024. It all starts with NVIDIA, which looks inexpensive thanks to astonish earnings growth. NVIDIA shares are cheaper on a Ford PE basis than slower-growing companies like Apple, Microsoft, and Meta. NVIDIA remains the obvious winner in the AI sweepstakes. NVIDIA remains far ahead of the field in turning AI mania into revenue and profit. I would say the second closest is Microsoft because on my Microsoft browser that I'm looking at right now, there's something called Copilot Preview. They've built Copilot into my operating system. And I haven't paid for it here, but I have paid for ChatGPT4, and I find it remarkably useful at times. In chips, AMD, Qualcomm, and Broadcom all stand to benefit, as does memory chip supplier Micron, which reportedly resorts quarter results. December 20th? Uh, they just did. Micron had a terrible year financially, but memory prices are on the mend. Again, you can only own so many stocks. So I own NVIDIA. I don't own AMD. I do own Qualcomm. Broadcom I own um, for a dividend, believe it or not. But it's also got a lot of growth out of nowhere about AI. So Microsoft remains the best software bet on the Azure cloud business with throwing AI into it. All going to be adoption rate for Copilot on the 365 suite of productivity apps. Um, Still other ways to play AI would include Adobe, Oracle, IBM, Snowflake, Dell, HP, all are going to come out with uh, AI-powered hardware. So your next PC, it may not say 486 faster than blazing God. It may say AI-powered. We're going to start buying computers that say powered with AI. Cash is piling up on balance sheets of these big tech companies. Um, I just gave you a lot of thoughts to think about with AI. What do you think? Let me know. Drop me an email over the holiday break. Rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. I'd love to hear from you.
Drop me an email at rob at robblack.com if you want to make it easier. Join Rob Black in Sunnyvale, Saturday, January 20th, for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with 500000 or more in investable assets. Drop by January 20th from 11.30 a.m. till 2 for a little sunshine and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignacio, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab. Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required, so go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 